Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Behind Massive Screens, a game development podcast here from Massive Entertainment. I always say I'm excited, but I'm super excited today as well, because we're going to talk about a topic that I know very, very little about. So please welcome Patrick and Miriam. Patrick, associate producer here at Massive and Miriam, localization project manager, because that's what we're going to talk about. Welcome. Thank Thank you. you. How are you guys doing? Fantastic. Very good. Thank you for having us. Of course. As I said, is a is a topic that I think for English speakers, um, as, also in Sweden, because uh, English is like second language here in general, localization is one of those things that we don't think about very much. We know there is a German version of the game or a Spanish version of the game, but we don't really think about all the work that goes into that. So the first question I will ask, big general question I ask every time, what is localization? Well, localization is the process to adapt content yep. from uh, to the different local markets we work with and doing it so well that it looks like it was originally made for that market. Right. I, I like that word, adapt. Yes. That is, I think, one of the key words that we don't think about very yes, much. Yes, because normally we would think that it's just a matter of translating yeah. or dubbing. Yeah. But there are a lot of cultural things that need to be adapted yeah. to other markets. Yeah. We'll get back to, again, that, that key word later on. Um, but before we go into that, I'd love to know how you ended up in the games industry um, at Massive. We'll start with... You. Miriam. Okay. Uh, I studied translation and intercultural communication in college. Right. I didn't really want know what I wanted to do after my my college degree, um, but I've always had an interest in, in games. And at some point in summer <laughs> that year in 2014 already. Um, I just met up with a friend and he told me that he got a position at EA as a tester. And I said, well, this is interesting. Why not? Uh, so I started out at EA as well as a tester. And then I discovered that there was something called project management and localization. And I've always had an interest in culture, languages, in people. And from there, I just continued in the industry. Right. When did you come to Massive? I joined Massive in December 2020 right. in a very cold winter. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's and it's been amazing common. since then. <laughs> very dark, cold winter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Patrick? I, um, I studied uh, international communication, which is this really vague thing, but I focused on... Communication um, degrees tend to be... I have one as well. They tend yeah, to be very vague. <laughs> I, I focused on on translation and interpreting, mm-hmm. um, and 
I was never, I was always good at language. I was, I was not good at art, so I couldn't be an artist. I wasn't good at math, so I couldn't be a programmer. But I, I loved games, and I thought that maybe translation is my way in. So back in 2004, I started working as a freelance translator. And my first game was uh, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. It was really cool. I was a big fan. And uh, from there, I just, uh, I, I worked on more and more games. And at some point, I made the transition into uh, project management. And when I was ready for kind of a, a life move, I decided to apply here and uh, as localization project manager and uh, have been here since uh, 2017. So right. five years now. That's quite a while. Yeah, it's been a while. It's yeah. been good. So uh, let's jump right in. A pretty big uh, starting question, but why do you think localization is so important? Yeah, okay. So I think um, um, in in development in general, we kind of live in an English bubble. Uh, we look, um, you know, we're an English first studio, we look a lot at English reviews online, and we get a lot of feedback from from people who play in English. But there's, of course, many, many people around the world who are not, um, we're not proficient enough in English um, to to play our games in English. And so bringing the game to people who don't speak English as well, uh, it allows us to to have a bigger audience and to bring the game to to that that worldwide audience and also of course it helps because if uh, if it helps with with sales because if people can't understand the game then uh, the game uh, people won't buy the game right, right. so that's uh, that's 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 why localization is is really important yeah yeah I, since all the scripts everything is written in in English it's so easy for us to just just for forget about that. But when you you start out, you have the the script, you have the game. What kind of like how do you approach the text starting out? Uh, it depends on what type of game we're doing as well. But for example, if it's a let's see, if it's a war game, uh, then we have to take into account many things depending on the country that we're adapting it to. Sure. For example. I don't know the, the blood for Japanese markets, um, art also in some other markets. Some things are not. Um, how can I say this? Uh, some things are not um, visible, visibly acceptable in some markets as well. Right. Um, Patrick will go more into detail on that. For example, uh, with more cultural issues, if you. Um, if you want to share some with us. Um, but for example, once we start the text translation, um, we send it to our studios, to our translation studios. Then um, we have our tools where we import the text. And yeah, uh, uh, translation is pretty straightforward. Um, depending also on what we're doing, if there are any other things happening in there that we need to adapt. But but yeah, I don't know if you want to add anything else, Patrick, that takes part. Yeah, there's a lot that, that comes also before we even send things out for translation, right? And, and that's the cool thing about working in localization in, in Ubisoft for the most part and here at Massive is that you're embedded in the development team. And so you can be around the development team and be in all the, the the feature meetings, for example, from the very beginning. So you really get an intimate knowledge of the game and you can uh, transfer that knowledge to the partners later on when you 
before you start translation. And we do all kinds of things that I think we can get into about um, to yeah to help the, the the vendors understand what the game is. Right. Uh, because of course they they're not here; they're external, so they need they don't have as intimate of knowledge of the game as we do. So that all comes before translation. So that's what we look at. We look at potential cultural issues and, and age rating issues and, and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I was just thinking about, I mentioned script and, and all of that, but there's so much more in a game. You have UI, you have technical terms, you have option menus, you have everything that needs to be looked at. Like, how do you, how do you approach those? Things? How do you take that in and, and work with that part? Because because script translation and I'm I'm not sure if I sound rude for some time, but that that sounds like similar to translating books or or videos, kinda. Patrick is moving his head for for. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, it's there's 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 a lot of things to to keep in mind. If we, for example, if we have if you're translating into a language that we intend to dub into, then there's things to take into account, like there might be time constraints on the recording because we need to follow the length of the English recording. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that's something that we keep in mind. And that's why it's also adaptation. So it's it's translation first and then also adapting to make sure that it fits, for example. So that's that's something that we need to take into account. And um, yeah, there might be there might be exotic names in the in the script, for example, that you need to think about. They might sound um, they might not sound as good in that localized language as they do in English for for various reasons. So there's uh, there's a lot of preparation that go that comes before the actual translation. Yeah. Yeah, and what you mentioned about UI, for example, um, there are a lot of things that need to be taken into account. For example, languages in which sentences are longer than English, for example, German. We need to make sure that the boxes uh, that we use in yeah. UI can be adaptable. Uh, also, the spacing between lines, for example, on Asian languages, they need to be a little bit bigger as well. Yeah, many things. The right-to-left orientation for Arabic, that's uh, yeah, yeah, a lot that's of things. A, a yeah. lot of things. That need to be prepared. Yeah, yeah we actually talked to to Izzy from, from uh, Ubisoft Connect about mm -hmm. those things, just how, how it is to work with those things in a... Now it's not inside a game, but still it's a UI work, right? Uh, so that that's really interesting. How do you, how do you do that? Like not not technically perhaps, but how do you make sure that actually works? Well, mainly communicating a lot with uh, the other studios at Ubisoft. Uh, we have a very fluent communication with them, constant communication to see if everything is correct, if there's any other need that uh, needs to happen in the builds and mainly that uh, they are the ones that guide us and let us know if there's anything that needs to be um, modified or fixed. Right. So what kind of when when approaching this, we're still not actually word questions about working with the text as such itself. But what kind of philosophy do you approach these things with? Ha. Well, <laughs> well, of course, what Miriam said at the start is very important, right? We want to, the, the, the secret to great localization is to make it seem as if the game was made in the language that the player is playing yeah. in. So, um, that's, that's, that's the, the, the main philosophy, I guess, uh, behind, behind localization. And I think I'll, just to go back also to what Miriam was saying about like, UI text boxes and, and and stuff like that. 
I think a lot of companies work with external localization departments. And, and so I will, again, uh, bang the drum of, of having an embedded uh, team because, yeah, it makes it really easy to go over to the UI team and say, you know, hey, this, this, um, we need, we need to come up with something to make our text fit. Hmm. So we, for example, established very early on in the project, a set of guidelines and adapt it to the, to the project and uh, basically say, you know, we need up to hundred percent extra space for German for very short strings. And, um, I need to take into account vertical length uh, as well and, and lots of other stuff. So that, that really helps us to, um, to make sure that the game is localizable right from from an early from an early uh, point in development yeah i'm going to go back to the adapt question because now we're adapting uis but when it comes to adapting as you said cultural differences languages for some reason i'm i'm 12 years old i'm thinking about curse words uh stuff like that um how how do you work with those cultural differences? The the blood thing is uh, interesting as well, like changes to to that part of the game. But how do you work with the cultural differences between between countries? Mainly, we also have a very close communication with age rating. Uh, they are the ones that give us the guidelines uh, for anything that could be problematic between uh, between the different countries, and we go from there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know all of them by heart, but uh, there are some, as you mentioned, some words that uh, we try to avoid in localization that might be acceptable for English, but could be problematic later on for localized languages. Can you go the other way around as well? Not acceptable in English, perfectly fine in German. Wait, that's a good one. Oh yeah, I've never, I I've never know. had, I've never had an example. On that, <laughs> right. we did have we did Romanian subtitles for Division Two, and although I don't speak a lot of Romanian, I was we 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 asked the translators to basically go bananas with with the swearing because <laughs> you know Division is a very um, it's a very there's a lot of swearing in there. Yeah, yeah, and I know if I know one thing about Romania is is they get very creative with their swearing, and we yeah. said you know go crazy, go crazy with the swearing, and I've been told that it's that it's great. So, yeah, I, I don't think they went too far. I didn't hear anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, I know a bunch of Hungarians and they're swearing when they translate what they just said and they, they swear a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. that, that kind of brings us into, yeah, we're not only talking, now we're, we've talked about UI and how you work with the UI team. So what other teams do you work with and, and how? You Patrick, you talked a lot about being embedded, for example, and how, how does that communication look communication with the rest of the ubisoft teams or yeah. no when when put when creating mm -hmm. the game uh, so many teams are involved you obviously have have tentacles is that word <laughs> is that the word you use in english you probably used it in, in swedish sorry uh but your hands in in a lot of pots mm -hmm. so so how does that communication look how do you work with other teams a lot of meetings, a lot of email exchange, uh, <laughs> mostly meetings. <laughs> but yeah, uh, everyone in uh, in massive. Uh, it's been well in Ubisoft in general. They are amazing. Um, my previous experience was sort of like an external consultancy agency in uh, translation. But being able to work within the studio, it's it's great. Um, the communication is a lot faster 
and everyone is willing to lend us a hand to help us out. <laughs> it's difficult to be in the last part of the pipeline sometimes because yeah. we are the last one of the last steps uh, in the game development. But yeah, the rest of our colleagues are very happy to help us out and to resolve any questions or future problems that we might have. <laughs> yep. Yeah, because I remember I, when I was working uh, on The Division 2, like emails from Patrick would pop up on n not the weirdest occasions, but <laughs> occasions when you weren't ready, like, oh, we didn't think about this. I I, pr I probably I probably did that yeah yeah <laughs> no it was great every time again you learned so much just, just <laughs> listening to to uh, uh, your input and and the expertise the the two of you and your your teams have yeah it's a, it's you know it's very it's pretty broad because we we have a we have a hand in 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 tech as well so in Snowdrop for example so we work really closely with the Snowdrop team and. We work closely with the audio team. I I um, I manage the audio team as well, and my previous manager, when I was log PM, managed the audio team as well. And she worked really hard to make localization that department that is part of the tail end of production, just like other departments, like like audio, like animation, like VFX. And I consider um, Miriam, for example, to be part of the extended audio family, and she's really close to, for example, our voice designers because. Well, she has to be for her job, <laughs> but it's also yeah the 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 jobs are are related. She does she does a lot of similar things as a as a log PM to to the voice designers, so it's uh, yeah it's it's audio, it's UI, it's Snowdrop, it's it's business, it's it's at uh, Ubisoft HQ um, brand as well brand sometimes. team yes yeah. so and I'm, we're probably forgetting a bunch so it's uh, yeah it's it's good to build strong relationships as a log PM. Yeah. Now you bring up something because basically, basically most of what we've talked about so far has been text, UI script. But you mentioned voices now. Yeah. So how do you work with oh, yeah. audio voices. and voices? Well, that is also another world. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I can imagine. Depending on what countries, uh, they have they are um, the sound itself is yeah. different and for example here the sound i think it's more it's like i can't say like cleaner but um in some asian countries there is more of a radio sound to things in recordings and that to me is uh it's quite shocking that even sound is different yeah. from one country to another and thank you to the audio team and the voice design team here <laughs> for instructing me and showing me uh, that these are differences that exist. I didn't know this uh, huh. before either. So, so yeah, it's it's amazing voices as well. How a voice sounds in one country and another. For example, one voice here that could be very normal, a very standard voice for dubbing can sound cartoony or even animated wise uh, in other countries it's 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 amazing <laughs> yeah again it sounds really sounds quite complicated yes yes that's why we also work a lot with uh, the ubisoft uh, local teams for casting validation so that we ensure that we're getting the best voices that uh that are in the market for yeah. games so how do you, you have, actually I have a little uh, notes here that you helped me write, but you, you, how do you address dialects in that case? 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we want to take that yeah, no, Patrick. Yeah, sure. I guess we're going to come back to, to the way uh, other languages sound and, and, mm -hmm. and stuff like that. But how, how do you work with dialects, knowing what fits, what doesn't, etc.? Yeah, of course, we rely a lot on the local teams, the experts, right? So you might have in a game an example of someone who speaks, um, maybe has like a hillbilly accent or something like that. So you got to find the, the local equivalent to yeah. that. And there are examples where we've gotten it spot on. And there are examples where we have gotten it very wrong. Um, and uh, but yeah, you rely on the on the local, the local teams, the experts, the casting teams and and the subsidiaries as well. We're really helpful with that. So it's important to, to, again, because they, you know, they can't often, they get basically one opportunity to see the game in action before they start working on it and before the game releases. So it's really important uh, to, to give them all the context, right? All the character bios and how, what's the relationship between this character and that character and what are they, you know, what are their motivations? Like we share all of that stuff so they have as clear of a picture as possible. Yeah. And it also depends on the countries because uh, some countries will directly say, we don't do dialects in Spain, for instance. I'm from Spain. We don't do dialects because it it has always gone wrong <laughs> every time that that we've done it. <laughs> we have always done the wrong choice. And for example, putting Southern Spain accent to something, it's not. Yeah, it's it's not good. <laughs> um, I mean, coming from. I know what you're talking about. You know what I'm going to say now. Probably coming from this part of of Sweden. Where our voices just today, people above, like northern parts of uh, Sweden, don't understand what the hell we're saying. <laughs> That's I why feel you. I, I'm from. I'm basically from the the Skåne of of Holland. Right. So when 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 they try to portray kind of stupid characters in, oh, in that yep. comedy, it, yep. they'll have my accent. Yep. <laughs> I, I know that feeling all too well. That's why yep. every actor in Sweden sounds like they come from Stockholm. <laughs> that, yep. uh, even even if it's set like in, in small towns in our part of the country, everybody sounds like they come from, come from Stockholm for good reason. So early on as well, going back to stuff that's been said before, uh, Snow, you mentioned Snowdrop. Uh, you mentioned briefly the technology behind uh, Snowdrop being, of course, the game engine that we use here at the Massive, our very own little baby, little big baby now. Uh, <laughs> how? What kind of technology do you use? For translations, we have um, a translation tool that only translators use called MemoQ. Then we also rely a lot uh, on Oasis, which is where we store all the text, all the translation, all the audio, and that is mainly our main tool in localization. What um, kind of tool is it? You store, is it a, a, a yeah, what kind of, of software is it? It's just um, an asset management tool. Right. Uh, it's used by the narrative team, by the voice design team, and there, the narrative team, they write the lines in um, in English, then the audio team records those lines done in English, and then I pick those lines and send them to translation, then recording. And I guess there are more things involved in there <laughs> that I'm not aware <laughs> about because we're so many teams in uh, using it. <laughs> but yeah, that is our main tool. Yeah. And yeah, depending on what we're doing, we also have to tweak those. Um, yeah, it it's uh, every project is different has a different structure. We use different tools as well. 
I don't know if you want to add anything else. Patrick. Well, yeah, I mean, we use we use Oasis a lot. That's that's kind of where, you know, Miriam lives. Yeah. In the day -day. <laughs> <laughs> but um, um, yeah, that's connected to Snowdrop. And yeah, more and more we're moving things over to, to Snowdrop. So, for example, um, UI text lines are written in Snowdrop and, and the designers own their own text. And when they submit their text in Snowdrop, it gets sent to Oasis. And there's some steps that we do to approve the text before it gets sent to Oasis. But nowadays also we write, uh, or the writers write the scripts um, in, in Snowdrop as well, and they get sent to Oasis. So Oasis is more and more becoming just an asset management tool, more than a tool where we write Right. Although we're still doing that for for some parts of the game, and so that tech of you know how things get sent to Oasis and how you know what do we require when you submit text, that's all um, handled by um, by the Snowdrop team and the people who originally wrote the pipeline, the localization pipeline for Snowdrop are still here, mm -hmm. um, or at least uh, uh, some of the people, and uh, it was um, um, my my previous manager who was also. Uh, localization PM had a had a big uh, had a big hand in that as well. So shout out to Virginia. Because yeah, it sounds like you're using a lot of of tech in general. Yes, we use a lot of tech daily. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I'm, I'm just trying to little things I know about like translating books and stuff. Just sounds like there is such an and and that keeps coming back in in even when we talk about like not fuzzier uh, subjects, but we keep coming back to the tech. It's always tech involved when you're working in the games industry. It's not never very straightforward. Just punch in words oh, in no. Word, unless you work as a communicator. <laughs> um, uh, so there's always that aspect involved. Sometimes people work in Word and then we say, please working, don't. Working always this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So if, if for people that what to become um, a localization project manager uh, we've been referring to it as lock PM during the course of this uh, episode just to make clear what it is what kind of qualities do you need to be able to do this job again there's just a lot of people involved yeah exactly since there's a lot of people involved uh, I think that communication skills is uh, the top highest quality uh, being able to also be empathetic understanding because as well we work with a lot of people and not everybody has the same priorities right or the same deadlines and that has to be also understood um yeah and patience uh <laughs> <laughs> time management but especially as well um wanting to learn be yeah. an avid learner you never stop learning in localization it's it's amazing everything that's involved all the teams that you have a dependency on, and it's it's amazing to be able to to be embedded in a in the studio to be able to learn and see what other teams are doing that will also affect your job. Yeah, because yeah, there must be we're talking about the size of the teams, but so many different languages, so many different translators. It must be a yes. constant communication. With yes, them. yes, it is a constant communication. It, there's a lot of translators translating at the same time in the tool that we use. Yeah. Uh, it's funny when you see how they sliced a document to be able to send it out to 
the different translators, and you see so many in there. Um, <laughs> Again, go, go, go read the credits for, yeah. for yeah. Uh, most of Ubisoft's games, and it's going to be a, it's a long credit yeah. list yes. just reaching localization teams. Oh, localization is definitely at, at fault for, for the infamous <laughs> long Ubisoft credits. I actually have some really cool stats that I can share from, uh, from Division 2. Oh, please do. Like, for example, the, the number of actors that we used in total for localization is, is, uh, was 1,217. What? That's, that's the total number of actors. And then, yeah. you know, um, um, in total, uh, involved in localization, so on, um, that's, that's everyone, including the actors, is, is over 1,500. So that's all those names in the credits. That's, uh, that's, that's part <laughs> that's... of the reason why they're so long. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> G G G's. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, that you definitely don't think about. No, um, and it all like all of those uh, all of those people working on localization. It all funnels through mostly one or two people in the studio. Yeah. And uh, right now that is uh, that is Miriam. So she has a lot on her plate, and that's in addition to managing all the internal <laughs> the internal stakeholders. So it's, uh, she's a busy person. I am a busy person. Yes. <laughs> Good thing you have patience, the communication <laughs> exactly. skills and everything. Understanding and... <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> One thing we haven't talked about, though, uh, which we... I'm going to jump back a little bit, I think, uh, is working with accessibility as well. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because yeah. accessibility in general has become, of course, a, a, a giant thing in the industry, luckily. Um, especially here at Ubisoft, we work a lot with different accessibility options, for example. How does localization work with with that subject? You wanna go ahead? Yeah, I think I think a feature like subtitles, which is another thing that people generally don't think about there. They're kind of just there. Um, that's for some part at least kind of naturally lands on the plate of localization. I mean it's really it's it, it touches on on many different disciplines, UI, audio localization but it kind of kind of lands on our plates and for uh, division two i actually wrote a really really long design for subtitles and closed captions and I'm, I'm pretty sure it's a record just the length the sheer <laughs> length of the document um and um yeah we added closed captions uh, we added stuff like um uh, like a directional icon that that shows you the direction uh, from which the for example an npc bark is coming so if you if you're hard of hearing then you can you can see by that by that icon like where is that guy coming from that is saying i'm flanking so that's that's stuff that we included in, in the in the subtitles and that's uh, something that um, yeah that usually localization is involved in yeah yep. yeah again coming down to not only long scripts but localization of barks like short thing npc says like you said flanking or hey got alex yeah. uh for example yeah. there's a <laughs> lot of different yeah. of those coming from different yeah. uh npc factions in the division for example yeah so it's a lot yeah. you do a lot of things it sure is it's sure amazing is. it's so varied um, yes. it's so many different like levels of and and subjects you have to deal with all the time yes <laughs> and the games are huge. The games are yeah, absolutely like huge. Yeah, they're like AAA gaming. It's yeah. not... And they're bigger they're, and bigger each time. <laughs> bigger and bigger. And, and just, you know, if you think about the just the number of words that we translate and record for for a game like this, it's, uh, I think off the top of my head, it's um, it's it was 650,000 words per language for Division 2. And that's that's more than than the Lord of the Rings trilogy and The Hobbit yeah. combined, right? And all of the languages together... 
is, is, is millions of words. And then a lot of those get, get recorded as well. So that's why we have so many hours in the studio, so many actors. And it's, uh, the games are huge, huge. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, again, I'm learning so much. Again, coming from a, a position where you don't really think about it, but it's so natural. The game is in English. Um, so I've been, I've been, been playing a certain game that everybody on the internet talks about, and I'm always, almost getting tired of saying and reading Elden Ring all the time. But it, it came not. up and in, in, <laughs> it's an amazing game and I can't stop playing. I can't stop thinking about it. And all I want to do is go home and play. Anyway, uh, I read a, a thread on, on Reddit about mistranslation, for example. Are you are you able to catch that at some some points? Like, how do you deal with that when it turns out like a, a, a word or, or a term has been mistranslated? Yes, uh, as Patrick mentioned before, our translators are not able to see the game constantly, so they depend a lot on the reference that we send them on Confluence pages, on character bios. But yeah, there's sometimes that um, some things didn't get the context that they needed to translate. And most of the time, uh, those get caught by our testing teams um, who are playing the build and making sure that everything uh, has the quality that we that we want it to have. Mm -hmm. And in most cases, we will catch those. <laughs> now, now we have, in addition to all the, the people who are actively trying to break the game, uh, just functionality testing, we have, we have a small army of, of, um, of localization testers as well. So, so for, for division two, for example, we had, we had 57 people uh, full-time for three months. <laughs> You're just adding to that yeah, list. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's <laughs> just another thing. It's, uh, yeah, we had 57 people for, for three months full-time um, testing the game just for localization. And yeah. so they'll they'll find a lot. So yeah. that's that's uh, that's a lot of issues that get flagged to us that we can fix. And then, of course, in the advantage of being a game as a service is that you can fix things retroactively, right? You can yeah. go back and 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 fix things even in, in when you're live. Yeah. So that we've, we've done that a lot, too. Yeah, or players I, notice something or yeah, yeah, sorry, I, was, yeah. I, I think i saw during it's like bug reports of a, a certain word being wrong yeah. usually small things yeah uh but it's always interesting to see yeah. so for people uh listening uh i'm sure localization will bring in people who are interested in languages and translation etc and interested in the game industry like the two of you were where do i where would I start towards a career in this? Or do you have any any tips or? I would say starting with a degree in translation and communication or similar. Uh, I think that is the base because you do learn what it takes to be a translator at first. Um, I didn't work as a translator per se before entering the project management area. Only a few things. Um, some internships and things like that. But you do learn what it takes to translate and you do learn what is needed in order to do a good translation, what you have to take into account, what dictionaries to use, what references to use. Uh, and I think that's uh, the most important thing. And after that, if you are interested, I would say persist and <laughs> enter the video game industry in whatever form it is. Um, in my case, was testing. I love playing. It was an amazing summer for me. Three months playing video games, nonstop. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, that I think that would be uh, the perfect uh, way to to enter. Yeah. It, also, 
one of the most fun as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Starting as a tester is is really good, and it's actually I think it's it's probably pretty hard actually to get a job as a as a localization PM, that, especially embedded in a studio, because um, yeah, they're the projects are huge, and we have only one Miriam here, for example, so <laughs> they're really rare as well. Um, but, um, yeah, having a passion for localization is, I don't think that many people have that passion that we do Yeah, <laughs> because <laughs> it's good to have the passion and the persistence, um, because let's face it for a lot of people, localization is an afterthought, right? Yeah. It's, it happens automagically. So it's good to have that, uh, that passion for it and then be the champion of localization. Yeah. That's, that's important as yeah. well. So do you have any, if I'm, again, if I'm sitting at home or in the commute, do you have any, like, resources online I can look at? There are many blogs from uh, freelance translators. Um, I know, for example, some Spanish ones, of course, because as I mentioned, I'm, I'm Spanish. Uh, and there's a blog called Agomas que Traducir. And that one is written by... A person that has been in the video game industry for a long time as a translator, freelance. And there are so many resources there. Courses, um, guidelines, things to take into account when translating uh, certain terms. So, yeah, I would say blogs, uh, also some podcasts um, and books. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And there's... There's some great uh, GDC talks as well on on YouTube. There's um, always good GDC talks. Always, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, true. yeah. Keep coming back for some reason. <laughs> uh, you know, I think freelancing is 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 a way that a lot of people get into the industry. So yeah. you can, and if you can't do that, you can start with fan translations and kind of uh, build build your skills. Everybody thinks that they're a great translator, but not actually that many people are. Um, so you can start that way. And, and also, I think these days, especially, you know, in the times that we live in, uh, freelance project managers are becoming more and more common. So that's a great way to 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 get the experience um, as a as a PM. You have here on, on the list of, of books, uh, one that I love the title of this be book, bad translation video games. Oh, yeah, that's, oh, a, favorite. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good title. <laughs> Yeah, that's a, that's 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 a nice little uh, funny book. It has it has all the examples of uh, how not to localize. All right, uh, you know, <laughs> all your bases well. belong to us and, and stuff like that. You know, hey, that's uh, a great translation. Yeah. yeah, we will have these links and probably a little bit more um, in the show notes. So uh, feel free to check those out if you want to learn more. Yeah. Thank you both so much for coming here. I've learned a crazy <laughs> amount of what you do so thank you both very, very much us. yeah thanks for having us and let us talk about all of the things that we deal with Absolutely. <laughs> on a daily yeah. basis it's always great to have people as you said with a, with a passion coming yeah. here uh, and talk about what they do it's it's always great and thank you I think a lot of people out there have learned especially as English speakers what actually goes into <laughs> it so thank you very much thank the 1500 people yeah I'll make sure to actually stay for those credits next time <laughs> yes <laughs> but yeah thank you very much thank, thank you thanks when you make decisions for your company you look for the no-brainers and if you have a lot of mailing to do stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer it streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient which makes you less busy 
Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.